This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, January 11th. Matt Waymeyer filling in for Ellison Footer this week on the Astros podcast. We are joined, as always, by Astros reporter Brian McTaggart. Brian, thank you for the time. And uh, the theme of this week's podcast is uh, projections uh, for the 2017 season for the Astros as uh, they finished in third in the AL West in uh, 2016, but uh, poised for a bounce-back season here in 2017 in what should be an improved American League West. So, uh, Brian, I want to start off kind of bold. Uh, After finishing eighth last season in this department, the Astros will lead the AL in runs scored in 2017. Like I said, it's it's bold, but uh, could you see that happening? Well, yeah, I could see it happening. I mean, that's uh, that's a pretty tall task. I mean, I know they they've added some really good pieces to that lineup. It's going to be one of the deepest lineups in all the major leagues. I mean, they added Brian McCann, they added Carlos Beltran, Josh Reddick, Nori Aoki to go along with that good young core they have: Altuve, Bregman, Springer. Um, you know, and they're going to get a full year now of uh, Alex Bregman, a full year of Guriel. So the lineup is going to be a lot better. But, you know, just looking at the, as, looking at as far as if they're going to lead the league and run scored, you know, the Red Sox did that last year by quite a, a wide margin. And the Astros were about 160 runs behind the Red Sox. So that's a run a game. And, uh, you know, the Red Sox lineup is going to be as, as potent as ever. So if they, can, if they can lead the league and run scored, they, that means they've scored a lot of runs. I certainly think they're going to be up there near the top. And are they going to lead the league? Uh, that's, they're going to be one of the ones at the top. But, uh, you know, the Red Sox and Astros and, uh, you know, the Indians, I think, will be setting the pace in that category. Yeah, I agree. I can see the Astros as a top three or top four team. Uh, the top team, you never know, but, uh, you know, the yeah. uh, the Red Sox have a big poppy-sized hole to fill, and uh, the <laughs> Astros, you ran down all those veteran bats that they brought in. Of the names that you ran down, uh, Brian, which one has been, I guess, the most uh, unexpected or surprising guy that uh, they executed a, a trade for to kind of to kind of bolster that lineup of all those veterans that you reeled off? Well, you know, none of them were really a surprise. I mean, I you know, I think when you look at the Astros, what they needed in the offseason, they needed the left-handed bats, and you know, I, I guess Beltran was probably the biggest surprise. I mean, everyone, as soon as the offseason was over, people were like, you know, Reddick would be a good fit in Houston. Well, McCann would be a great fit in Houston. And, you know, they, they got both of those. And, um, yeah, I guess I guess Beltran was probably somewhat of a surprise just because of the, the money involved one year, $16 million, the fact that, you know, he, he's been sort of public enemy number one in Houston for the last 12 years since he left last time for the Mets. And, you know, he's gotten booed at Minute Maid Park ever since. It's kind of silly. I don't know why, but. Having him come aboard, you know, it, it was sort of a, a shot to the system, and the fans all of a sudden were like, "Oh no, now now we got to cheer this guy." And if you look at what he did last year at 39 years old, 
um, had a great season. He's going to be a big part of their success, not only in the lineup, but what he's going to bring leadership-wise. Guy that has done everything, seen everything. The Astros needed a leader like that for their their young young team, and he's he's going to be a, a valuable guy in more, more ways than one. Yeah, I think uh, the first time he puts a ball into the outfield seats, uh, the boos are going to turn <laughs> to cheers very, very quickly. No that's, that's why we're fans, right? That's the nature of the beast. So, uh Big addition, uh, Carlos Beltran to this Astros team, along with uh, many other guys. Brian McCann, as you mentioned, among others. And uh, so, Brian, uh, projection at number two, Dallas Keuchel, after an up-and-down injury plague to 2016, bounces back, he's healthy, and he wins at least 15 games. Oh, yeah, I like that prediction a lot. I mean, talking to Keuchel a couple of times in the offseason, and I talked to him, uh, you know, this week, and and. He says he feels as good as he's felt in a long time. I mean, he didn't admit it last year. He did not feel good last year at all, I think, throughout the whole year. Tried to pitch through it, and, of course, at the end of the year, um, took the last month of the season off just because the uh, the shoulder didn't feel right. And if you look at his workload from, you know, 2015 when they, when they made the playoffs and he won the Cy Young and he was their ace, he threw over 250, 260 innings. And, uh, I, he threw 200 innings a year before, and that was his career high. So I think that jump in workload really, really took a toll on him. He ended up only throwing 168 innings or so last year. So I think a rested Keuchel is going to come in, and I think he's going to be ready to shoulder that load figuratively and literally. And, uh, yeah, I think if he's healthy, I think, there's, especially with his lineup, there's no doubt he wins 15 games. I mean, I don't think he forgot how to pitch. I think he had to battle through some stuff that I think he's put in the rearview mirror. Yeah, I think people forget how good he was uh, yeah. in 2015. A 20-game winner, uh, absolutely uh, stifled the Yankees in the wild-card playoff in the Bronx. I mean, how many guys could say that? He is one of the top guys in baseball. No reason to think he won't bounce back. And, Brian, I'm always torn, you know, as, as you were saying just now about a guy that uh, is, is clearly hurt. He's not 100% but he tries to pitch through it. On one hand, you know, you, you kind of admire a guy who's a gamer like that and he wants to be there for his team every fifth day and he plays through pain. On the other hand, I know that some guys, their school of thought is, well, if you're not feeling right, you're not helping the team, shut it down, get healthy, and help us when you're healthy. What is what is your, your take on this? What side of the fence do you fall on? Yeah, that's a fine line. I mean, I, I would fall on the side of the fence if you're feeling something, you know, to let the trainers know. But, I, I mean, I understand where a guy like Dallas is coming from. He was the bell cow. He's their ace. And he knows, man, they need me to take the ball every fifth day. They need me to, to pitch 220, 230 innings. Uh, I'm going to try to pitch through this. Um, you know, but at some point when the results aren't there, you have to say, wait a minute, I, you know, this isn't working. This is counterproductive. I, I need something to happen. But Dallas is a ultimate competitor. I mean, he, he would be out there every day if he could. And uh, it doesn't surprise me he tried to pitch through. He's not the first. He won't be the last. But um, talking to him in the offseason uh, certainly feels like that this rest and the, the reduced workload this year, and it might be in a blessing in disguise going into 2017 that he's rested and ready to go. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he certainly seemed in good spirits at the mini camp yesterday, and uh, he is raring to go and to get back to getting back to being the pitcher that he was in uh, 2015. Uh, Brian, projection number three. This is something that I know Astros fans would love to see happen, despite a potentially high cost. The Astros pull off a trade for Jose Quintana. Yes or no? I would say yes. I'm not so sure it's going to happen this off season. I mean, you know, the Astros have been in on Quintana all off season, really. And uh, you know, depending what you read, different offers out there. I know that I know what's making a trade difficult for the Astros at this point is they're unwilling to move any any pieces of their young core, and that includes Alex Bregman. Um, now, are they, are they willing to move their top prospects 
yes, Francis Martez, their top pitcher, I think they would move. They're, they're less inclined to move Kyle Tucker, their number two prospect, uh, the outfield, the uh, lanky outfielder. But Quintana's a guy a lot of people are after. He's a left-hander. He's 200 innings every year. I mean, they could, they could. it's not so much plugging him into the rotation. You plug him into the top of the rotation, now all of a sudden you have Keiko, McCullers, Quintana. You have Colin McHugh who won 19 games two, two years ago and has been very steady now for three years. He's your number four star. That is a deep rotation. That's a rotation that they could go to battle with, I think, up against the Red Sox and, and, the, uh, and the Indians and, and feel good. They, can, they need that other arm. He's left-handed. That would be a huge addition for them. So whether they're going to get it done or not uh, before the season starts, I don't know. But, um, you know, they could wait until July and if he's still on the market and make a run at him then. But that's, uh, it, it, it seems to be a good fit. Um, very friendly contract, four more years under control. I, I think if they can pull it off, they, they will try to do it. Yeah, and I'm with you that I think they may wait until uh, closer to the trade deadline where they have every intention on being a contending team, get that one piece to put you over the top, and Jose Quintana could be that guy, and maybe he uh, he does linger out there, plays a half season in Chicago, and then uh, Astros fans hope he packs his bags for Texas. We will see. Uh, projection at number four, uh, Brian going off the charts a little bit here, but with the uh, Hall of Fame announcement about well, less than a week away at this point, Jeff Bagwell gets the call to the Hall. What do you think? Oh, I certainly think so. I mean, I think he's looking at the, looking like a slam dunk at this point with the ballots that have been made public. He's over over 90%. Yeah, there's going to be a drop-off, but I, I think uh, he only needed to pick up 15 or 16 votes. He's done that, and um, I certainly think it's, He's going to be inducted two years after longtime teammate and friend Craig Biggio was inducted. And Biggio, of course, was the first uh, player to go into the Hall of Fame wearing an Astros cap on his plaque. And it looks like Bagwell is going to be number two just a couple of years later. But, you know, if you look at what Bagwell did over the course of his career, 15-year career, the numbers are there. He didn't play quite as long as, uh, you know, Frank Thomas is the one player I compare him to. They were actually born on the same day, hmm. won the MVP the same year in different leagues. Their careers paralleled each other all the way through until Bagwell – just couldn't play anymore because of his arthritic right shoulder. And I think if he would have kept playing, you could look, um, he would have reached some of those milestones, the, the 500 homers and 1,500 RBI. He was very close anyway, also stole a lot of bases. But the thing that people need to realize about Bagwell is that very heady player, very smart player, always knew the right base to throw to, terrific base runner, not a fast guy, obviously, being a, a slugger, but you go first to third, second to home, like nobody knew exactly where the ball was, knew who the outfielders were. One of the smartest all-around players. You're not going to see that on the stats or any of the uh, analytic stuff. But um, Bagwell did a little of everything. Was a leader. Was the anchor uh, of that team for 15 years. And he hit most of his career in the Astrodome. They they didn't move to Minute Maid Park and Ron Field until later in his career. So he still hit most of his home runs at home in the in the Astrodome. Which of course, even though they moved defenses in, has always been a tough place to hit home runs. So. Bagwell's got the credentials. It looks like he's, he's got the vote. He just needs to get that speech together, I think. Yeah, I think that's the only <laughs> thing left to, on the uh, to-do list for him. He'll be the uh, the leader of the, the Killer Bees uh, for all those years. Uh, joining Craig Biggio, as you said, got in two years ago, and he will be uh, no doubt the second Astro uh, elected, primary, primarily an Astro, uh, to get elected into the Hall of Fame. We'll find out officially in about one week's time. Uh, Brian, back to the current-day Astros. Uh, Carlos Correa, projection number five. Is voted the starting shortstop for the All-Star game. What do you think here? Well, I'm going to say no, just because uh, if you look if you look at the shortstop field in the American League, it, it's a tough one. I mean, you're looking at Xander Bogarts for the Red Sox, uh, Tulowitzki, the Blue Jays, still a very popular player. Elvis Andrews for the Rangers. 
Not that I think Correa is not going to be there. I mean, I think he's going to start multiple all-star games. I think next year might be uh, a step too much. That being said, Correa has the kind of star power that, that he does get off to a good start six weeks in or at the end of May, and he's putting up big numbers. I think he's got the kind of star power where he, where he gets the votes. But, you know, he got, I think, uh, barely half as many of votes as, as Bogarts did last year with the Red Sox. The Red Sox, of course, you know, they pack Fenway. They have a great fan base. They're going to come out and vote in droves. And Bogarts is a good player on top of that. But I think Correa is going to move up that list. He's, he'll be one of the top two or three shortstops from the AL if he's not already. And he's going to start some all-star games. 2017, uh, I don't see it just yet. I would still think uh, if Bogart stays healthy and, and plays at his level, I think he's going to have the support and the numbers to get that. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, Francisco Lindor on that mix, too. I look at Lindor, those three guys course, as yes. yeah, the, the head of the shortstop class. And uh, But like you said, if Correa gets off to that uh, hot start, you never know. So he'll definitely be in the running. Uh, we'll see what happens when the votes are counted in July. Uh, and, Brian, to wrap things up here, uh, the Astros win the AL West in 2017. Do you see that happening? Yeah, I do. I mean, uh, you know, I told myself I wouldn't pick them to win the win the AL West until they actually found a way to beat the Rangers, which they can't do very well the last couple of years. But if you look at the um, additions and the subtractions the Astros have made the last uh, in the last couple of months, I mean, I think the Astros have gotten better than the Rangers just with the offense that they, they've added. Um, you know, the pitching probably still doesn't stack up to the Rangers, but the Rangers' offense has taken a little bit of a hit with some of the guys they've lost. So I think the Astros are a better team on paper. Can they can they beat the Rangers head-to-head? That's what it's going to come down to. I mean, if you look at this division, um, if the Astros would have played the Rangers 500 last year, they would have been right there at the end of the year, neck-and-neck neck with the Rangers in the division. And instead, I, I, don't, know, I don't know how many, they, uh, the 19 they lost. I think it was 14 or 15. I mean, it was pretty decisive. So they're going to have to find a way to beat the Rangers head-to-head. But I think they're, they're better than the Rangers. And if they can add one more pitcher, I, I think they would be a slam-dunk pick to win the AL West. But, you know, you've got you to gotta give your hat tip to Jeff Anderson and the Rangers. They've won the division two years in a row. Even though uh, a lot of people picked the Astros to win last year, the Rangers did. So I think with the Astros, the Rangers, the Mariners improving quite a bit, the ALS is really going to be a, a fun race to watch here. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to come right down to the wire, and maybe uh, Astros fans are hoping they got all their losses to the Rangers out of the way last year. <laughs> That'll clear the way for for success against their in-state rivals in 2017, and they can ascend to the top of the AL West. Uh, time will tell. Brian McTaggart, our thanks to you, our Astros reporter. We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, it's Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Houston Astros. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.